13 uh, and 16. We're going to be taking a look at it. And I don't mean that sarcastically. I actually mean Jeremiah is a great place for us to go for encouragement, especially encouragement when we're going through things that are difficult or hard. So remember the outline we've been talking about for the last several weeks. We saw the call of Jeremiah in chapter 1. Then we see Jeremiah move into a section of the book of his prophecies, his writings, that bring about the consequence of judgment on Judah and Jerusalem. So we're in the midst of that, all the way to chapter 25. That's what we'll be focused on. Uh, he talked to them about the extent of their iniquities, about the effect of the false religious system and what it was causing for the people. Then he gave uh, last couple of weeks an exhortation to obedience. Let's follow what the Word of God has to teach us. And now we're going to see for the next uh, several chapters that, that God is going to make an effort to explain to Jeremiah what's going on. Because Jeremiah, just like Habakkuk and some of the other prophets, would go to the people of God and they present the word that God had given to them, but they didn't really understand why God was doing what he was doing or how he was going to accomplish his purpose. And here we have a section where Jeremiah is going to uh, um, ask the Lord some questions. He's going to reach out to him in his own pain and, and sorrow. And uh, prayerfully, as we hear God's response to him, we may also find ourselves encouraged. So he begins talking about, Jeremiah begins talking about his pain. Now we look at uh, uh, Jeremiah 15, we're going to pick it up in verse 10, that's where we left off. In verse 10 you have Jeremiah say, woe is me, my mother that, that you bore uh, me, a man of strife and contention to the whole land, I have not lent, I have not borrowed, and all of them curse me. So Jeremiah begins this this proclamation of his pain, telling God he's sorry for the day he was born. And there are a lot of people struggling with, with similar attitudes. It's, it's not, uh, I guess it's, it's shocking in the sense that, that I wish it wasn't happening, but there are, have been a number of people committing suicide in the last uh, several days, at least that have, have uh, uh, intersected my life. And uh, the despair that brings us to a place like that is similar to what Jeremiah is crying out for. I, I wish I had never been born. Why do I have to go through this? Everybody hates me is what he's declaring, right? He says, I'm sorry, woe to me, woe to my mom. I wish I'd never been born. I haven't borrowed, I haven't lent, and everybody hates me. Everybody hates me for the stance he's trying to make. Everybody hates him for the call that God had upon his life. Job gave a similar uh, proclamation in Job chapter 3. In Job 3, beginning at verse 1, it says, After this, Job opened his mouth and cursed the day of his birth. Job said, Let the day perish on which I was born, and the night that said, A man has been conceived. Mourning, you know, through the trials that, that Job faced, mourning the day of his birth. Everybody hates me. This life is so hard. I didn't know that this was going to be in the future. And really, we don't know anything that's going to be in the future, right? We, we make a lot of plans. We have a lot of ideas. And every once in a while, something, maybe similar to what we're going through now, derails us. And we find ourselves depressed and crying out to God, why was I ever born? Why am I going through this? Why does everybody hate me? In John chapter 15, I hope it brings comfort that Jesus said this, if the world hates you, know this, they hated me first. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. 
But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. So remember what I said to you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours. But all these things they will do to you on account of my name, because they don't know who sent me. He said, all these things they will do to you because of my name. The idea, because of the bearing the name of Christ. The Bible goes really 180 degrees from those who would preach prosperity. The Bible says, look, uh, uh, they're, they're not going to like you. You're going to have struggles. You're going to have tribulation. But at the same time, not promising us ease and, and the lack of persecution or suffering in our life, he does promise the greatest treasure you'll ever need. And that's his presence. And when we have his presence, we, we really have everything that we need. We don't need money. Money is not going to save you. You don't need stability. Stability is not going to save you. You need Jesus Christ. You need your hope and trust to be in him. So listen to what the Lord said to Jeremiah. Jeremiah fifteen eleven. The Lord said, Have I not set you free for their good? Have I not pleaded for you before the enemy in the time of trouble and in the time of distress? Am I, am I not with you, Jeremiah? And listen, Jeremiah, I set you free. I love this statement. I set you free for their good. He's saying, look, I, I lifted you up, Jeremiah, and I, and I put a call on your life for their good. He didn't say, Jeremiah, I lifted you up and I put a call on your life for your good. So that, so that you would have everything that you need. So that you would, would rise up out of the miry clay and never have a difficult day. You read the Bible, that's not what it looks like. Read of the heroes of old. David had to hide from Saul being hunted for ten years of his life. Paul got put up on a shelf because people weren't sure they could trust him. We see over and over again these great men. Moses is rejected. Joseph is rejected. I mean, wherever you go, you see this same thing. But God is saying, look, I called you. I lifted you up for their good. God is lifting us up, people of God. God is lifting us up for the world's good, not for ours. Not so that we can have everything easy. Not so that everything falls into place for us. But so that we might bear witness of his truth to the nations. And then he says in verse 12, the Lord still speaking says, Can one break iron, iron from the north and bronze? And people vary on on what they think about this. But but I'm, I'm pretty sure that what God's talking about is, Look, I have decided. Babylon is coming. You can't change it. You're not going to break iron. You're not going to break my will. This is happening. This is not going away. Wouldn't it be great if we wake up in the morning and they said, oh, April Fool's, right? The coronavirus was a joke. <laughs> not so funny, but everybody can go back to life as before, but life's not going to go back to like it was before. Things are different now. There is a, a real tragedy, and some of those tragedies are now landing on our, our doorstep. Now I'm getting phone calls, not from people in our fellowship, but people whom they know, who have died of coronavirus so it's real it's a real thing it's really happening the things that we'd like to see go away are still here and and god was saying jeremiah saying well babylon's coming i can't believe this is what's happening in our world i can't believe this is what's going to happen and god says no that's not going away it's coming this this thing from the north 
It's, you're not going to bend it. Babylon is coming and nothing is going to change that. Now listen to what the Lord says in verse 13. Your wealth and your treasures I will give as spoil. Every time God, we look at, sometimes we look at the judgments of God and we miss the point of some of those judgments. It's not just God taking away your blessing. That's not what it's about. He's taking away your crutch. What do we lean on? When I think about the future, you know, I think, you know, uh, should the Lord tarry and I'm still here 20 years from now, you know, what am I going to be doing? And so, you know, we, we try to plan for the future, right? We try to have a retirement account or we try to have these things. And are those things the things we're putting our hope in? Because if that's the crutch that's holding me up facing the circumstances of the day, the Lord is saying, I'm taking that away. Because I don't want your trust to be in your bank account. I don't want your trust to be in the hospital. I don't want your trust to be in the doctor. I don't want your trust to be in all these things. I want you to trust me. Now, it's okay to be wise. It's okay to plan ahead. I'm not saying don't do those things. I'm saying don't use those things as little idols that we cling to, thinking that is what's going to deliver us. What delivers us in the days of evil is the Lord. He says, your treasures, your wealth, I'll give a spoil without price. I'm giving them to people for free for all your sins throughout all your territory. And when we look at the sins, we talked about it last week. We look at the sins of Judah and Jerusalem. We cannot ignore the sins of the United States of America and pretend like they're not there. And while there are times where God makes a distinction, there are always time, also times when God doesn't. In Judah, the part of the biggest problem they had was in the priesthood. So God, he's cleaning house with this judgment. <coughs> Excuse me, and he's explaining to Jeremiah, hey, I'm doing this, but I'm doing it for their good. I'm not doing it for their destruction. I'm doing it so they can live. I'm doing it for their repentance. I'm doing it so that they might turn. And so he goes on and he says, I will make you serve your enemies in a land that you do not know. For in my anger, the fire is kindled and will burn forever. See, God's saying to Jeremiah, look, this is for sure. But listen, hear it. Hear what he just said. He didn't say, I have settled the fact that you're all going to die. That's not what he said. He said, you're going to go into captivity. And especially for Judah and Jerusalem, if they would accept that, if they would say, okay, I'm going to accept the fact that we're going into captivity. I'm going to accept that fact and I'm willingly going to surrender when the armies come. They would have lived a peaceful life. But the children of Israel would not accept God's judgment. And so last week we saw, he said, those who are going to the sword, go to the sword. Those who are going to famine, go to famine. We, we're choosing I pick up my sword. I chose to pick up that sword and run out. Now, I die by the sword. Those were my choices. I could have went to captivity. I stay at home and starve in the famine. I could have walked across the wall and surrendered. So I gave myself to the famine. And to those who would give themselves to the pestilence, he says, I will give the pestilence. So then, Jeremiah, in hearing God's response to him, listen, Jeremiah prays. Listen to his prayer. He says, oh Lord, you know. Do you believe God knows what he's doing? 
Sometimes it's hard to face because we're looking at all the circumstances, right? We're saying, well, well, you know, maybe, maybe not just a circumstance we see the world in now. Maybe it's a personal circumstance. Someone we love is ill. Someone we love is, is going through difficulty or hard times. Can we say with Jeremiah, oh Lord, you know. You're in charge. And I think ultimately this is God's question. Am I your king or am I not? Will you follow me? So Jeremiah says, oh Lord, you know, remember me and visit me. Now a lot of times when they would talk about being visited, they want, they want God to, to swoop in and, and um, demolish your enemies. And we'll see that in just a moment. But I just love the phrase, God visit me. God visit me. How many times in our prayer, in our worship, or when we're lifting our eyes to the Lord, have we felt the, the sweet touch of the Lord in our spirit? And you know he's there and that, that, that presence is so sweet. Do you want that more than you want these other things? Can you with Jeremiah say, Lord, visit me. Let me, let me feel your breath on my neck. Let me, let me feel you so close to me. Lord, be here with me. Take vengeance for me on my uh, on my persecutors, go, God, his is the right for vengeance, right? That's what sets a believer free. We may be taken advantage of, people may do evil, and there's certainly a time to stand in the face of, of these things, but the reality is God is the one who is ultimately in control. Vengeance is his. It's not mine. So Jeremiah is declaring, Lord, you take vengeance. It's not my job. You're right, God, you want me to do something else. In your forbearance, in your patience, in your long-suffering, take me not away. Uh, while you are patient in my suffering, God, don't let me perish. Be here with me. Know that for your sake I bear reproach by your name. Because of your name, God, I find myself in this place. And then listen, he, he, he feels himself sliding from this place of despair in his prayer to a place where he chooses to rejoice. Listen, your words were found and I ate them. And your words became to me a joy and the delight of my heart. Going to God's word and allowing God's word to wash us and to purge us and to make us clean as we put our hope and trust in him is so vital. And so this is what was moving him from a place of, of despair and pain to a place where he might be able to rejoice with the Lord. For I am called by your name. It was God who called Jeremiah. It is God that has called you. The book of Ephesians would say, he has chosen us. We are his elect. He delights in his love of us. May we delight in our love for him. Oh, Lord Yahweh, God of hosts. Listen, Jeremiah is saying, God, I'm your man. It's, it's you and me till the wheels fall off, so I'm going to rejoice in your promises. And I know, Jeremiah is saying, I know there will be a day. might not be today, but there will be a day where the victory that has been proclaimed in the resurrection of Jesus Christ will be experienced by every believer 
on earth. And then he moves, <clears throat> Jeremiah moves now to, to the cost. What has been the cost of his obedience? Listen, he said, I did not sit in the company of revelers, nor did I rejoice. I sat alone because your hand was upon me, for you filled me with indignation. Jeremiah saying, look, I, I felt what you felt. God, I, I could rejoice over what you would rejoice over, and I could mourn over what you mourn over, and, and I was angry over the sin, and, and these things separated me from the people, so I, I feel distant, I feel alone separated from them because, Jeremiah ultimately is saying, because I've answered your call, Lord, because I've drawn near to you, I feel more alone than I have ever felt before. Maybe there's a little bit of self-pity, but there's also just some straight talk. That's the reality of ministry, of drawing near unto God. John the Baptist, right? He's called from the womb. He's anointed of God. He has this miraculous birth. He goes into ministry. He proclaims Jesus. There he is, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. He saw Herod doing things that he ought not. And so he proclaimed that the the lifestyle that Herod was living as a sinful lifestyle found himself in prison uh, facing perhaps a headsman's axe. And he sent people to go find Jesus. He sent disciples and they asked him a question. You remember? Lord, are you the one? Or should we look for another? And in that question is John saying, why am I in prison? I dedicated my life to you. I've served you. I've done all that you wanted. And here I find myself in prison. Is this the plan? I don't understand what's going on. Did I get it wrong? So Jesus said to the disciples, you tell John, the blind see, the deaf hear, the lame walk, and blessed is he who is not ashamed because of me. Blessed is he who is not disappointed. And I believe they took that word back to John and that settled John's heart. He's the one. And this is my end. And so... I can accept that purpose. Jeremiah here is saying, Lord, your hand's heavy on me, and there's a lot of things I've sacrificed in my life to serve you, and I'm, I'm struggling, right? I have highs and lows. In verse 18, he says, Why is my pain unceasing? <clears throat> my wound is incurable, refusing to be healed. Will you, to, uh, will you be to me like a deceitful brook? Are you, are you promising me something that you're not giving me? That's what Jeremiah is asking him. God, are you promising me something I'm not getting? John the Baptist, Lord, are you promising me something I'm not getting? And so he's saying, why is this so painful? Why are these things going on? You see, he had not anticipated suffering would accompany the service for God. Though God told him in chapter 1 when he called him. Jeremiah, just like when he called Paul. I will show you all the things you will suffer for my name's sake. In John 16.33, says, I have said these things to you, this is Jesus speaking, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have what? Tribulation. But take heart, <clears throat> I have overcome the world. That's not the promise of a rose garden. 
What's that the promise of? That's the promise. That's God saying, listen, here's the promise. This life, there's going to be times of struggle and hardship. You may find yourself in prison. You may find yourself on quarantine. You may find, maybe that feels like prison. I don't know. You may find yourself in a variety of different places, but the Lord is saying, that's the tribulation of the world. That's not the tribulation of God. That's the tribulation of the world. That's just normal life. But if you reside in me, you have peace. I am your peace. Paul would write in Philippians 1.29, It has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. God didn't hide these things. There are times of tribulation and difficulty, and following God's will for our life doesn't mean that, that, excuse me, that we're free of pain or we're free of suffering. What it means is we have his presence. And if we will make the choice in that time of difficulty, in those struggles, to just reach out for the Lord and say, I want your presence, not my bank account. I want your presence, not my health. I want your presence, not all these other good gifts that God freely gives. I want you, I want you to visit me. I want you with me. I want you here. That's where the victory is. Don't you see? That's where the peace of God enters in. And while the storm roils around us, we're able just to look up into the eyes of Jesus and walk on the waves. Why? Because he is with me. He didn't leave me in this place. So... Jeremiah concludes his questions of the Lord, and therefore it says in verse 19, Jeremiah 15, 19, Therefore, thus says the Lord, If you return, I will restore you, and you shall stand before me. Oh man, that's, that's so incredible. He's saying, Jeremiah, just, just repent, change your direction. You're finding yourself drifting into despair, and we can all do it. We can all, circumstances in life can get us down and we're starting to take that, that uh, trail of tears, right? And when you do, hear what God said to Jeremiah. Jeremiah, stop where you're going. Turn around. Come back to me and I'll make you able to stand. You'll be able to stand before me. Look, <clears throat> I'll tell you this. If you can stand before a holy God, there is nothing you can't stand before. If you can stand before a holy God, I will make you able to stand before me. Listen, if you will utter what is precious and not what is worthless, then you shall be like my mouth. So God's saying, Jeremiah, if you, if you turn away from the self-pity and the, and the fear and all the things that are, are driving you now and you repent and you turn toward me, I'm going to make you able to stand. And then I'm going to give you words, worthy words to speak. Where are those worthy words? In the word of God. In the word of God. It's the plain, true promises of God being declared. You shall be as my mouth. Listen to what he says the people will do. Then they will turn to you. But listen to what he says to Jeremiah. But don't you turn to them. Sometimes when people turn to us, and we want to turn to them. And we want the accolades, and we want the praise, and we want the encouragement, and we want that energy that we receive from what we give out that we receive back from from people who respond to us but God said I don't want you to receive energy from them why I want you to receive energy from me 
See, we become that conduit, right? With our eyes on the Lord and focused on Him. And then He's pouring His Word into us and we're delivering it to the people. And if the people look at us, we ought to just push on their cheek a little bit and get their eyes focused on Christ and get our eyes focused on Him too because it isn't about us. Jeremiah, don't turn to them. And I will make you to this people a fortified wall of bronze, And they will fight against you, but they will not prevail. So you're not going to fall, Jeremiah. You'll be able to stand no matter what comes. For I am with you to save you and to deliver you, declares the Lord. Now please hear this. Does not mean that Jeremiah's life is going to be easy and good and he's never going to get sick and he'll never be hungry and people will not hate him and try to kill him. What it means is that God is going to safely bring Jeremiah through his life into the presence of God. Where he will stand before God and hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant. That's what it means to be delivered. That's what it means to be saved. To be brought into God's presence. I will deliver you out of the hand of the wicked and redeem you from the grasp of the ruthless. I will carry you through. Jeremiah, I promise... You will fulfill your ministry. You will finish what you have begun. No one's going to be able to stop it. The day that Jeremiah closed his eyes on earth was the day that his work was finished. God said, they're not going to win. You're going to deliver every word I have for you to deliver. You're going to bring everything that I have for you to bring before the people. Now, Jeremiah goes on, chapter 16, it says, So the word of the Lord came to me. Now, here were God's requirements. Okay, Jeremiah, you're, you're making these prayers and you're putting your trust in me. Now, God says, there's some things I need from you. And you may not like these things, but you might need to hear them. The word of the Lord came to me, and, and the Lord said to Jeremiah, You shall not take a wife, nor have sons or daughters in this place. Jeremiah is called by God from, a, from his mother's womb given the call of God, and then God, in the call of Jeremiah to serve him, God said to Jeremiah, you may never marry, and you may never have children. Now, Jeremiah may have wanted to have a wife. He may have wanted companionship. He may have wanted to watch children scurry across his floor, but the days that Jeremiah served in were not days that he ought to be focused on family. They were days that he ought to be focused on what God had for him. Listen to why God says, Jeremiah, no wife, no children. For thus says the Lord concerning the sons and daughters who are born in this place, concerning the mothers who bore them and the fathers who fathered them in this land. They're all going to die. They'll have deadly diseases and they won't be lamented, nor will they be buried. And they will be like dung on the surface of the ground. They shall perish by the sword and famine and their dead bodies shall be food for the birds of the air and the beasts of the earth. And we say, oh my gosh, that's, that's so horrible. How could God say such things? Because that's what the people were going to choose to do. That's what the people did. Listen to what the people did. The people said, look, uh, uh, we're not going to surrender. We're very patriotic. We're going to make it. We're going to be able to defeat the enemy. And Jeremiah would knock on their door and say, you don't have to starve to death. They have food right over there. They won't kill you. Just walk out and surrender. And they would rather eat their children than do that. So God said to Jeremiah, no wife for you, Jeremiah, no children for you. This is not your time. Now, that's not what he said to everybody. It's what he said to Jeremiah. Jeremiah, I need you to be, have the freedom to be able to go and to accomplish the things that I have laid out before you. 
verse 5, it says, For thus says the Lord, Jeremiah, do not enter the house of mourning. Don't do it. Uh, Or go to lament or grieve for them, for I have taken away my peace from this people. Jeremiah, don't go to their funerals. Don't go to the services that I have for them. Don't do it. Jeremiah, remember, he was a singer at King Josiah's funeral. Jeremiah sang it. King Josiah, when he died. But God's saying, Jeremiah, I don't want you to go and, and, and be a part of this because they don't have to experience this. In their rebellion, they're experiencing this, but they don't have to experience They don't have to be going through these things. Listen, I have taken away my peace from this people, my steadfast love, my chesed, the steadfast love of God and mercy, declares the Lord. Both great and small shall die in this land. And they will not be buried, and no one will lament for them. No one, or cut himself, or make himself bald for them. No one will break bread for the mourner, comfort him for the dead. Nor shall anyone give him the cup of consolation to drink for his father or his mother. You shall not go into the house of feasting to sit with them, to eat and drink. For thus is the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel. Behold, listen, listen. I will silence in this place. I will silence. I want it quiet. Before your eyes and in your days, the voice of mirth or the voice of gladness, praise and gladness, the voice of the bridegroom and the voice of the bride, God says, I want it all silent. Stop it. Stop it because we can be, we can be distracted by our own happiness the good things that God gives, we can be distracted. We can be distracted by the joy of a wedding or the joy, of the, and we don't think about our circumstances. And maybe that causes us to put off repentance. The Lord says, no, I want silence. Nowhere to turn, not to the right, not to the left. I want silence. That my people might look to me. And when you tell the people these words... And they say to you, why is God doing this? Why has the Lord pronounced this great evil on us? What is our sin? What is our iniquity? What is the sin that we have committed against the Lord? Don't, you should not ask God that. You should just be confessing. Trust me, God's list is longer than yours. What have we done? Have we done any wrong? Then you will say to them, because your fathers have forsaken me, declares the Lord. Now keep listening. They've gone after other gods. They served and worshiped them and have forsaken me. They've turned from my law. They have not kept my law. And because you have done worse than your fathers. Your fathers were a poor example. And you are a poorer example. They made all the wrong decisions. And now you are compounding those wrong decisions. And if the Lord doesn't step in in judgment, that... that cascading effect just brings about a greater and greater sin, greater and greater rebellion, which ultimately leads to the judgment, the judgment day of the Lord. Every one of you follows his stubborn, evil will and refuses to listen to me. God says, I want silence. The only sound I want you to hear is the echoing within your mind the call of God saying, 
Repent and return to me and I will make you able to stand. Turn away from all these other things and come to me. So the Lord says, therefore I will hurl you from the land. It's God's land. I will hurl you from the land that neither you or your fathers have known. uh, And you will serve their gods day and night. For I will show you no favor. God's going to cure the idolatry uh, to a great degree of the children of Israel in the captivity of Babylon. In the captivity of Babylon. Those who fall in love with the false religious system of Babylon will stay when the exile ends. And those who return to the Lord will be those who love him and want to follow him. Not perfect. Broken just like us. But they will heed the Lord's call when he calls them to return to him. And every time we read about God talking about this judgment, he's also going to put in there, he's also going to place within it uh, the, the idea of the return, of returning to favor with the Lord. Listen, verse 14, Therefore, behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when it shall no longer be said, as the Lord lives who brought the people of Israel out of Egypt. They're not going to say that anymore. He says that what they're going to say is, as the Lord lives who brought up the people of Israel out of the north country, out of Babylon. See, the, the return from exile will be just like the deliverance from bondage. And the same way they're going to be able to celebrate <clears throat> because they're going to be able to celebrate the fact that God is going to bring them back. Those who accepted his judgment and entered into captivity lived their life there, lifting their eyes, looking for their redemption. For every day, their redemption was drawing nearer and nearer. The Lord would say, one day they're going to say, he's the God who brought us out of Babylon. One day, we will be able to say he's the God that delivered us in the time of coronavirus, of COVID-19. We don't have to wait to that day to praise his name. We can glorify him today. For he is the God who is able. But there's no way to get away. There's no way to hide. He says in verse 16, For I'm sending fishers, declares the Lord, and they will catch them. And I am sending hunters, and they will hunt them on every hill and every mountain and out of the clefts of the rock. You you will go to captivity, God says. There's no hiding from the judgment of God. There's no hiding from his eyes. Look at verse 17. For my eyes are on all their ways. They are not hidden from me, nor is their iniquity concealed from my eyes. But first I will doubly repay their iniquity and their sin. That's why the children of Israel will do 70 years in captivity. Because they have polluted my land. With what? With the carcasses of their detestable idols. And they have filled my inheritance with their abominations. Because they have done these things. God says, this judgment will come. The judgment is not final. God says, I will deliver. There will be those whose trust is in me. And I will carry them through. And I will bring them to the other side. But listen, I don't want you to miss the promise. The last couple verses we're going to look at. We've heard all this. Maybe you feel like this. all this doom and gloom. It's not really that. But maybe that's what you feel like. I hear all this doom and gloom. And all this judgment of God. Listen to God's words. Listen to how he ends it. He says, O Lord, 
is Jeremiah lifting his eyes to heaven after hearing this word. O Lord, my strength and my stronghold, my refuge in the day of trouble. Where are you going in the day of trouble? Jeremiah, your whole life is going to be like this. It's going to be hard. It's going to be difficult. There's going to be, it's going to be uphill both ways. But Jeremiah knew the one thing that he needed, the greatest treasure in all his life, wasn't his bank account or his house or his motorcycles or whatever things he had. His greatest treasure was the fact that the Lord is his strength, the Lord is his stronghold, and he is his refuge. His strong tower. In those days they would build the city. And in the middle of the city they would have the strong tower. That was the most secure area of the city. And the wealthier you were the closer you lived to the strong tower. And then the poorer you were the further out you got. You get further and further out in all these different areas. And then you have the wall around uh, around that in the absolute impoverished people would be outside the city walls. And when the invader came what did everybody do? Everybody runs to the strong tower. Everybody goes to the tower because it can be defended. They can defend the walls. They fall back to the tower. The tower is the place of strength. And Jeremiah is saying, Lord, you're my tower. You are where I will run in the day of trouble. And listen, to you shall the nations come from the ends of the earth. Now, who's he talking about? He's talking about everybody. God, one day to you, there will be a day to you. All the people from around the world are going to come to you. They're going to come to your place. They're going to come into your presence. For our fathers have inherited nothing but lies. This is what the Gentiles will say. This is what the nations will say. All our lives have been, have been spent chasing lies. That he who dies with the most toys wins. That if I can climb to the top of the mountain of success, I'll find happiness. I'll find fulfillment. I'll find the meaning of life and all these pursuits. But all those pursuits end in emptiness. And one day the nations will say to God, Our fathers have inherited nothing but lies, worthless things in which there is no profit. Can a man make himself gods? These things are not gods. They don't have the ability to deliver. Therefore, behold, I will make them know this. Once I will make them know my power and my might, then they will know my name is Yahweh. Yahweh is my name. They will know. They will come to a place of trusting in the Lord. It's my prayer as we go through this time that we're in. And life is weird. I am sitting in an almost totally empty room. But the reality is, God is with me wherever I go. Whether I go to the emergency room, whether I go to my living room doesn't matter god's with me wherever i go and whether the phone call that we get later on today is something that that tears our heart out for tragedy i received a call earlier about someone that that lost a loved one in a car accident that all car accidents ought to be put on pause during this time right all the tragedies that happen The suicides I told you about earlier, all those things should be put on pause. The world is sideways right now. Everything that can be shaken is shaken, but God can't be shaken. He is our strong tower. So run to him. Find your place of peace in his presence. Not in Fox News. There's not going to be no peace there. Not on CNN or MSNBC. Not even on YouTube. 
Find it with him. Flee to his presence. And may God deliver us in this time of struggle. Amen? Let's go before the Lord in prayer. Father God, we thank you for this time that we can study your word. We thank you for your truth that is found on every page. May we understand you. May we have a desire to know you. May we lift up our eyes like Jeremiah and say, Lord, visit me. God, let me feel your presence here. The breath of your spirit. The peace of your chesed, your steadfast love and faithfulness. May we, may we feel your presence in the midst of all these things because our focus is not on all these other things. May we turn our eyes to you. Repent, change our direction, look at Jesus, look at the Lord. Lift our eyes up. Yesterday the earth quaked and I received a number of calls. Is this the end? I don't know. We're still here. I do know this. The Lord says, in these times, lift up your eyes. Your redemption draws near. God be with us. Watch over and keep us. And may we glorify your name in the way we live in these days. And we will give you all the praise and glory for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.